Welcome to episode 18 of the Scrum Dynamics podcast. I'm your host, Neil Benson, and this is Scrum Dynamics. Our mission is to help every Microsoft customer and partner successfully implement Microsoft business applications using the Scrum framework. If you haven't listened to the show before, then a very special welcome to you. This is a great starter show where I'll be recapping some of the basics of Scrum. Pervin Patel, the Dynamics 365 community lead at Microsoft, asked me to present a webinar on the Dynamics 365 community site about successfully implementing Dynamics 365 with Scrum. We recorded the presentation this week, and I thought it might be a good idea to record an audio version of the presentation for the CRM Audio podcast audience. Just before we get started, I wanted to take a special moment to thank our sponsor for this episode, Kingswaysoft. Kingswaysoft is the leading integration solution provider, offering software solutions that make data integration affordable and painlessly easy. I had a chance to catch up with their principal developer and fellow Microsoft Business Applications MVP, Daniel Kai, at the Dynamics 365 User Group Summit in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago. Daniel delivered a great presentation, packed full of helpful advice on data integration. And the Kingsway Soft stand in the Expo Hall seemed to be going crazy all week. I don't know if they were giving away free maple syrup or just solving everybody's data integration challenges, but it was amazing to see just how many Dynamics 365 professionals rely on Kingsway Soft for data integration and migration. Let's get into the show. Hi, and welcome to Successfully Implementing Dynamics 365 Using Scrum. My name is Neil Benson, and in this session, my goal is to help you learn how Scrum can be applied to a Dynamics 365 project by describing my first Dynamics 365 project using Scrum and why we decided to switch from a sequential approach to Scrum, how to explain Scrum to someone in five minutes, the benefits of using Scrum for Dynamics 365 customers and project teams, and finally, Working through each of Scrum's three roles, three artifacts, and five events, I'll provide you with 26 tips that I've learned from my 10 years of using Scrum on Dynamics 365 projects. Premier Medical Group was my first Scrum project back in 2008. It holds a special place in my heart. Premier Medical Group helped diagnose the injuries of people who've been involved in an accident to support their insurance claims. Essentially, they're an important part of the ambulance chasing industry. This is Debbie. She's the operations director at Premier Medical Group and she was my client. It's her job to chase the operations staff who chase the doctors, who chase the lawyers, who chase the ambulances, who chase the casualties. Debbie engaged my Dynamic CRM consultancy to implement Dynamic CRM 4.0 and following the Microsoft Dynamics SureStep methodology, we analysed Premier Medical Group's requirements and after about six weeks, we published the functional requirements document, the FRD. The FRD was 600 pages of detailed requirements. Every entity, every field, every business process, every report, every security role, and everything else. And it was awesome. But Debbie's reaction wasn't what I was hoping for. She said our specs were full of jargon, sometimes not detailed enough, and some requirements were missing or incomplete. And the worst of it was that we had based our entire project plan and our commercial statement of work on our requirement specification that we thought was awesome and Debbie thought it wasn't. And we almost lost the project at that point. Debbie wanted to see software early. She wanted to be able to adapt it to the changing requirements through the course of the project. And she didn't want either of us to become slaves to the specification or to that project plan. And she wanted her team to be more involved throughout the course of the project as well. What Debbie wanted was Scrum but she didn't know how to ask for it. And when I described Scrum to Debbie, she was immediately on board. And together, we pitched it to her board of directors and got the project approved. 
we would deliver prototype software every two weeks and put Debbie in control of the requirements. So I formed a team of dynamic CRM superheroes, including a scrum master from another Microsoft partner that we collaborated with on the project. And over the course of 39 sprints, at about a year and a half in total, we had built a fantastic dynamic CRM system that enabled PMG to radically improve the efficiency of its medical legal reporting business. In fact, shortly after we went live, Premier Medical Group was acquired by the Capita Group, partly because of the value that Capita Group saw in the Premier Medical Group core system that we had built on Dynamic CRM using Scrum. So what is Scrum? The Scrum Guide defines Scrum as a framework within which we solve complex problems while delivering valuable products. I think it's important to note from that definition that Scrum's a framework. It's not a prescriptive methodology. For example, it says you need to manage your requirements in a backlog, but it doesn't tell you how to write requirements or provide step-by-step instructions for managing them. In fact, there are no real software engineering practices described in the Scrum Guide at all. Scrum is one of a family of agile software development approaches born out of the Agile Manifesto that was published in 2001. And while there are lots of agile approaches, they are all underpinned by the values and the principles of the Agile Manifesto. Today, there are hundreds of agile practices tied together in frameworks that overlap and intersect, but Scrum is still the most popular. In fact, about 75% of all agile software development teams are practicing Scrum, usually complemented with several specific software engineering practices. In Scrum, a person called the product owner has a vision for the business software based on Dynamics 365. Dynamics 365 is implemented by a cross-functional, self-organizing development team. The Scrum team is coached by the Scrum Master, and everyone else in the project is just a stakeholder. We capture requirements in a prioritized list called the Product Backlog, and we call the requirements Product Backlog Items. In Scrum, Dynamics 365 is implemented in time-boxed iterations of work called a sprint that are between a week and a month long. During the sprint planning workshop, the development team decides which items to work on during the upcoming sprint and how they're going to deliver them. That's the Sprint Backlog. During this sprint, the team syncs every day in a 15-minute meeting called the Daily Scrum. At the end of the sprint, they review their progress by demonstrating an increment of working software to the product owner and to the stakeholders in the sprint review workshop. Afterwards, at the sprint retrospective, they inspect and adapt their practices to improve their efficiency and effectiveness sprint over sprint. At the end of each sprint, we have a new product increment, which is Dynamics 365 enhancements that the product owner could release into production. The organization can keep the sprints going for as long as the value being delivered in each increment is greater than the cost of the Scrum team. Underpinning all of Scrum is empiricism, based on the empirical process control theory. Scrum's pillars are transparency, inspection and adaptation, and its principles are commitment, courage, focus, openness and respect. Let's talk about the benefits of using Scrum for Dynamics 365 projects. From a Microsoft customer's point of view, the top six benefits are that Scrum results in better quality Dynamics 365 software that more closely meets your users' most valuable requirements. Number two, you can deliver your first Dynamics 365 release much quicker with Scrum than with a traditional methodology, so the benefits realization happens earlier. Number three, Scrum projects have a higher return on investment because the benefits are realized earlier and they cost 30 to 40% less than projects following traditional methodologies. Number four, Scrum embraces early feedback from your stakeholders and delivers features collaboratively with them so there's even greater involvement and satisfaction. Number five, project sponsors and stakeholders have more visibility of the progress, the risks and issues in a Scrum project, and that provides them with greater confidence. And number six, 
Frequent opportunities for inspection and adaptation ensure that we're building the right solution. And from a project team's point of view, the top four benefits of, of Scrum I found to be are number one, Scrum teams are self-organizing, so the team members have control over the work that they do and how they do it. Number two, Scrum encourages team members to work closely together and directly with users rather than through a requirement specification. Number three, the methods that Scrum teams use to estimate complexity, track their progress and make decisions are different and often more accurate than traditional methods on sequential projects. And finally, number four, working with happy people who enjoy their jobs can be satisfying and rewarding. Self-management puts decisions that would normally be made by a manager back into the Scrum team members' hands. So let's talk about what it takes to make Scrum projects successful. We'll take it in turns to look at the three roles of Scrum, plus stakeholders. We'll look at the five events, and we'll look at the three artifacts. Let's start with the product owner. The product owner is somebody with vision, decision-making authority, and people skills. They're a leader in the business, sufficiently trusted by the rest of the project's senior stakeholders. They should be a domain expert. That means an expert in their industry, Certainly an an expert in the customer organization deploying Dynamics 365. They should know the stakeholders and their interrelationships. And they should know about the user base as well. Know who's going to be using Dynamics 365 and what they're going to be using it for. And finally, they are accountable. They're the type of person who likes to take on responsibility. They're fully committed to the project. And most importantly of all, which is really hard for a senior stakeholder, is that they're sufficiently available for the project. My two tips for product owners are use Proxy product owners, if you have to. A proxy product owner is a delegate of the product owner who can either analyze requirements, they're a business analyst, or they can control some of the project risks, issues, and status reports like a project manager would. Or they can test and accept features on behalf of the project owner in a quality assurance role. My second tip is to never have a committee of product owners. Strive for always having a single product owner rather than a committee of product owners Committees just slow things down, decisions get reversed all the time, and we find ourselves going around in circles. So stick with a single product owner. The second role in Scrum is a developer. A developer in Scrum is anyone involved in turning requirements into software. That doesn't mean you're a .NET developer, a coder, or a programmer. The development team in Scrum is comprised of people with a variety of skills. So some people might come with a background in business analysis, Dynamic 365 system configuration or administration, certainly .NET development and integration with Azure services and data migration for quality assurance, maybe DevOps, release management, testing, those kinds of things as well. The Scrum Guide says that the development team needs to be cross-functional. So that means the team has got all the skills needed to turn the product backlog items into a working product increment. They don't need to go outside the team too often for specialist skills. It does happen occasionally, but we want to limit that and make sure the team is as cross-functional as possible. And secondly, the development team is self-organizing. That means they don't need a project manager to assign or manage their work. They take responsibility for it. Great development teams feel a sense of collective ownership. Everyone feels responsible for the quality of the product increment. And as far as possible, everyone understands all of the system and gets involved in analysis, design, development, testing, and deployment, even if we have specialist backgrounds. Scrum teams should be three to nine members. Smaller than that, and they're unlikely to have all the skills that they need in order to turn the product backlog into a product increment. And larger than that, and the communication and coordination just gets too hard. So bigger than nine people, and you probably want to think about separate, smaller Scrum teams. I like to see my development team members committed to the project That means they're not trying to split their time across several projects and they're not trying to manage business as usual or trying to support another system while they're implementing Dynamics 365 at the same time. doesn't necessarily mean you have to mean they're full-time people. They can be part-time employees, but they're fully committed to this one project. 
The third role in Scrum is the Scrum Master. The Scrum Master is an expert in Scrum and is there to serve the product owner, the development team and the organisation by helping everyone understand, embrace and apply Scrum to the project. The Scrum Master needs to be an expert in Scrum. I don't think you can take a two-day Scrum training course and be a Scrum Master. You probably need to have spent a year or two working in a Scrum team before you can become a Scrum Master. A Scrum Master is a great coach. They ask leading questions instead of providing definitive answers. And they know when to hold the team's hand and when to let the team run free. They have great people skills for resolving interpersonal conflicts. My top two tips for Scrum Masters are, number one, hire an expert. Don't send one of your project managers on a Scrum course and ask him to coach a team. Hire an experienced Scrum Master and have them coach your first project. You can, if you need to, combine the Scrum Master and developer roles, but please don't combine the product owner and Scrum Master roles. There needs to be a tension between the product owner and the dev team and complete trust between the dev team and the Scrum Master. That's a nice, harmonious tension that makes Scrum work really well. By combining the product owner and the Scrum Master roles, you lose that tension and it doesn't work very well at all. So that's our Scrum team. We've got the Scrum Master, the product owner and the developers. Everyone else then in the project is just a stakeholder. They're all the people that have got an interest in your project but aren't directly involved in delivering it. They could provide requirements to your project backlog. They certainly could provide funding for your project as well. They can give you feedback on your increment and they can test it for you as well. I recommend that you invite stakeholders to observe your Scrum events if they want to, especially the sprint review where we're demonstrating the finished increment, sometimes the daily scrums, but they should not be active participants unless specifically invited. Secondly, be transparent with your stakeholders. Make your product and sprint backlogs visible and encourage questions and feedback. Demonstrate your progress to them and be open and honest about the risks and issues and challenges that you're facing in the project. Secondly, don't let stakeholders control the product owner. They can influence, they can lobby and they can request new features, but they can't insist on new features. That's the product owner's job to prioritise those. There are three deliverables in a Scrum project. Let's look at those. The first is the product backlog. It's a list of all the possible requirements. Those requirements are prioritised only by the product owner and no one else. Here's a couple of tips for managing your product backlog. There are a couple of technical practices that complement Scrum that I recommend. One is user stories for describing your product backlog items. And secondly is user story mapping for visualising those user stories in a two-dimensional map. Secondly, I recommend story points and planning poker for estimating and planning those user stories. I don't recommend use cases. They're a little too long and a little bit technical for describing our requirements in a Scrum project. And I definitely don't recommend writing or publishing requirement specifications. Stick to a small card. If you're using a physical Scrum board, you should use a 5x3 index card. Or if you want to use a requirements management system, stick to a small card with a few acceptance criteria. If you have to, expand the story into a wiki page with a few extra sketches or some extra notes or acceptance criteria where it gets a little bit longer, but don't think about anything longer than a page. The second deliverable in a Scrum project is the sprint backlog. The sprint backlog is the set of high priority requirements the dev team is forecasting to deliver in the sprint. So it's a subset of the product backlog with a plan for how those will be done. It gets summarised by a sprint goal. My top two tips there, be negotiable with the sprint backlog with the product owner in the sprint review, but forecast and try and stick to it for the duration of the sprint and resist the temptation to change your sprint backlog once you're underway. Occasionally you'll need to make changes, a couple of stories will drop out, a couple of new stories might come in, but by and large, the sprint backlog should stay intact throughout the course of the sprint. Secondly, it's the development team that gets to decide which items they will work on and how they will get delivered. Neither the product owner nor the scrum master or any stakeholder should be deciding on the what or how in the sprint backlog. And the third deliverable in scrum is the product increment. 
The product increment is a set of new or enhanced features that are usable and ready to release into production. My top two tips are, one, automate everything. Automate everything to do with release management in Dynamics 365 projects. I use the terms item solution and release solutions. An item solution is a solution package that contains just the solution components required to meet one single requirement. It might just be a field, might even just be an option in an option set. If that's the requirement in one of your user stories, then create a matching item solution in your development environment just for that single story. A release solution then combines all the item solution components that have been successfully tested and packages them up for deployment into production and all the instances in between development and production as well. You can use managed or unmanaged solutions depending upon your preferences in the Scrum project. I encourage my teams to take a DevOps approach and automate as much as possible so that we can take an idea and turn it into production software as quickly as possible. So look into some of the leading best practices around continuous integration, continuous deployment, release management, automated testing, some of those software engineering practices that your team will need in order to go as quickly as possible. And secondly, I love to release software into production in every sprint. Your product increment needs to be ready to release into production. You don't have to release it into production at the end of every sprint, but I definitely encourage it. Ultimately, it's your product owner's decision whether or not to release into production at any given point in time. What that means is being able to release into production at the end of every sprint means all of the processes that we normally think of as falling outside of development, for example, systems integration testing and user acceptance testing and the the release itself all have to happen within the course of the sprint and automation really helps with all of that as well. Okay, there's five events in every Scrum project. Let's take a look at those next. The first event is the sprint. The sprint is a time-boxed iteration of work. When we turn ideas into features, we analyze, design, develop, integrate, test, and deploy, if we can, in every sprint. The Scrum Guide says a sprint is between one week and one month long. Here are my top two tips for your sprints in Dynamics 365 projects. My preference in a Dynamics project is to use a two-week or a three-week sprint. One-week sprints work pretty well for smaller projects, like a proof-of-concept project, where rapid feedback is needed. But four-week sprints or one-month sprints take too long to get feedback. In a year, you can only have 12 sprints if you're doing a one-month sprint. So that's only 12 opportunities for feedback. In a two- or three-week sprint, my teams concentrate their development effort during the first two-thirds or so. And in the last third, we're testing, documenting, and deploying our sprint backlog and researching and analyzing the next set of high-priority items on the product backlog. My second top tip is don't use special sprints. You might hear somebody talking about a sprint zero, which is some kind of pre-project analysis sprint. I don't recommend that. I do recommend doing some pre-project analysis work, but let's just call it discovery and keep it as short as possible to analyze the first set of requirements. I don't recommend other special types of sprint as well, like hardening sprints, testing sprints, integration sprints. Those are all BS. We need to deliver working software in every single sprint. I dare you to try it out. The next event is sprint planning. This is the first event. This is the first event at the start of every sprint. For a two or three week sprint, it's between two and three hours long. The purpose of sprint planning is to determine the sprint backlog and the sprint goal for the sprint. My top two tips for sprint planning. So first of all, I encourage a practice I call story time in the sprint before sprint planning. So if you're doing sprint planning for sprint two, you'll have done some story time sessions during sprint one to get ready for sprint planning for sprint two. Story time is a short workshop between the product owner, the dev team, and the stakeholders to analyze and refine the requirements, just enough that the dev team can estimate them. Ideally, that estimation happens 
in the story time session before sprint planning. My second top tip is to be negotiable in sprint planning. The dev team needs to trust that the product owner has prioritized the most valuable items at the top of the backlog, and the product owner needs to trust the dev team when it selects which of the high priority items to work on. The dev team isn't always going to select continuous set of the top priority items. There might be items slightly further down the backlog that are important for the dev team to implement. Maybe there's a technical dependency on something further down the backlog that's necessary to implement before some of the high value features can be implemented at the top. My third tip for sprint planning is to get an ambitious sprint goal, a singular sprint goal that ties together all of the items that we're going to try and deliver within some kind of theme. Ideally, there's just a single sentence that encapsulates that sprint goal if possible. A bad sprint goal looks like, oh, deliver all the stories that we forecast in this sprint. A great sprint goal looks like, let's finish the quotation features for the opportunity management process. The next event in a sprint is the daily scrum. Like its name sounds, the daily scrum happens every day. It's a 15-minute time-boxed meeting for the dev team to sync with each other. We often have the meeting standing up, so it's sometimes known as a daily stand-up as well. My top two tips for the daily scrum are have it in the same time, the same place every day. That helps people know exactly where and when it's going to happen, so there's no excuses for being late. And make sure the daily scrum is not a status report. It's for the dev team to update each other. They shouldn't be talking to the scrum master, and the product owner doesn't even need to be there. The product owner or other stakeholders are welcome to drop in and observe, and maybe answer any questions that the dev team has, but I really recommend that you hold those questions over and have those after the daily scrum so that people can get away and get back to work if they're not needed for those side conversations. Okay, so there's two more events towards the end of a scrum sprint. The first of those is the sprint review. The sprint review is a critical scrum event for inspection and adaptation. What we're doing is inspecting the product increment and adapting the product backlog based on the feedback around that increment. What that normally means is we're going to demonstrate some of the new Dynamics 365 features to the stakeholders, grab their feedback and see if we need to adjust the next set of priorities for the next sprint. It's usually two to three hours if you're running two to three week sprints. So my top tips for the sprint review. Number one, invite your stakeholders. Their feedback is vital. So set up a recurring meeting in their calendar so that everybody knows exactly when the sprint review is going to be held. In my current project, we have the sprint review every other Tuesday morning in the conference room. It's booked months in advance. Everybody knows where it is. Everybody's welcome to come along and attend and give us their feedback. Second tip, never surprise your product owner in the sprint review. We want to demo completed features to the product owner during the sprint And ideally, the product owner can demonstrate those features to the stakeholders in the sprint review rather than having one of the dev team do it. And my last tip for the sprint review is that it should take the team less than an hour to prepare. There's something wrong with your application of Scrum if it takes hours to get ready for a sprint review. It should just be a quick outline of the stories that we're going to demonstrate. Make sure the demo data and everything else is in place in your demonstration instance and off you go. And then the last event in a Scrum project is the Sprint Retrospective. It's usually a short meeting. It's about an hour, maybe two, depending upon your sprint length. During that time, we inspect and adapt our processes. So the Sprint Review that we've just had inspected and adapted our product. And the Sprint Retrospective is to inspect and adapt our processes. So a couple of tips for a healthy Sprint Review. First of all, I like to make it a walking meeting or maybe a picnic. Get out, have lunch, take a break, get out of your normal working environment. Secondly, Focus on the processes of your software team, not on the people. The question should be, how can we apply test-driven development, not how can we get the QAs to regression test all their work at the end of every sprint? Thirdly, take one or two ideas from the sprint retrospective and action those in the next sprint. Finally, there's lots of different formats for sprint retrospective workshops. Try changing the format from sprint to sprint to keep your retros fresh and to keep your methods of adaptation constantly changing 
and adapting as well. So that's it for our recap of Scrum, how it can be applied to Dynamics 365 projects, 26 top tips for making your application of Scrum on your next Dynamics project successful. My name's been Neil Benson. Thanks very much for listening. Stay agile and fantastic. Our mission is to have every Microsoft Dynamics 365 project succeed using Scrum. If you'd like to learn more about Scrum and become a certified professional Scrum master, visit crm.audio slash Scrum Dynamics to get discounted access to the introduction to Scrum from Microsoft Dynamics 365 course. Course features videos, worksheets, quizzes, and a practice assessment for the Professional Scrum Master certification exam. It covers the theory of Scrum, its events, roles, and deliverables, as well as lessons learned through Scrum for Dynamics CRM case study projects. CRM Audio podcast listeners can get discounted access by visiting crm.audio slash scrumdynamics. Thank you.